are in the midst of a series called Setbacks to Comebacks. And this whole series, the the whole idea behind it is that life is going to have some surprises in it. And if we're going to be honest, there's going to be some unpleasant surprises. They're not going to be the type of thing that you look for uh, at your birthday party. There's going to be some setbacks in life that nobody welcomes, nobody wants. And this is common throughout all humanity. Everybody's story is a little bit unique, but the fact that there are setbacks, it's just life. In fact, it's one of those promises that Jesus made. Uh, In the book of John, he said, in this life, you will have trouble, which I have often looked back on as my least favorite promise of Jesus. But I appreciate the honesty about it. So the question isn't, is your life going to have setbacks? The, The question that we want to look at this series is, okay, so how do you come back from that? How do you bounce back from that kind of thing? And we've talked about how great it is to watch a comeback happen, but when you're living it out, that's a, that's a little bit different of a challenge. So I thought I'd tell you a story to help kind of set some of the context. I went for a haircut on Friday. Well, it was a fine haircut. It wasn't fantastic. I mean, there was nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying they didn't come out like with fresh espresso for me. It was just a normal haircut. Everything was fine. Nothing went wrong. Uh, She did as well as she could with what she had to work with. Like it it was a fine haircut. And I left content, maybe even happy. But something happened that caused me to remember a moment. She just happened to drop her comb, nothing serious. But I flash back like 20 years to another Friday night and another haircut where the hairdresser dropped her comb. Well, she ran out of combs. She dropped so many of them. I walked in and I just wanted a haircut. It was in a a city in a different province and in a store that's not open anymore. But it it was a rough haircut. Looking back on it, I've often thought that the lady must have been going out to a party that Friday night and started a little bit early <laughs> because it was, it was rugged. Uh, when I left, like 40 minutes later, 50 minutes later, every comb in the spot had fallen on the floor and was now in the, the hand sanitizer. I still have no idea what the hair looked like because I was just so grateful to be leaving with everything attached. When I left, I'm not exaggerating, she had taken the clippers and shoved them real hard through both like ear tips there. I was bleeding from there, each ear. And then she was moving so quick with the scissors, she actually stabbed me twice. I was bleeding from two different spots on my scalp. And I walked out of that hair shop rejoicing. It never occurred to me to get up and leave the chair. I don't, I don't know why I stayed for the whole thing. But I left absolutely rejoicing. I was ecstatic that I was leaving. And my, my ear, like we joke about, oh, you got your ears lowered, right? Like for the haircut. I was rejoicing that my ears were still there. I mean, it was, it was crazy as I thought back. Because Friday as I was sitting, going through the haircut and remembering this. I knew that we were going to be talking today about this message. 
And I couldn't help but think about how my expectation, my perspective, changed my heart's response. I had a perfectly, perfectly adequate, completely fine haircut on Friday, and I was meh. 20 years ago, I had a horrific haircut, and I left rejoicing because my perspective changed how I responded. So let me tell you a different story, one with a a little bit more spiritual significance. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. Sorry, I don't like to interrupt scripture, but just to explain, that was the first step. There were, if you read in the, uh, the early part of the Old Testament, the Levitical laws about how to stay clean as the people of God, when God was setting up the covenant with Israel, he, there was this whole section about skin diseases because leprosy was so horrific. And what would happen is if you developed a blemish, you would have to be quarantined outside of the community for a series of days. And if it went away, you would go and show yourself to the priest and the priest would say, yes, this is gone. You're now clean to come back into the community. When Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. It's quite a story. I mean, it's got none of the traditional, like, miraculous stuff, right? Like, in some of the other healing stories of Jesus, he, like, comes and lays his hands on somebody or, like, spits and makes some kind of magic paste mud, like, holy paste mud, and and, and heals a guy's vision. Or there's none of that. Jesus just says, go do what you're supposed to do to show that you're clean. And they were healed. It's a remarkable story. There's a couple of things culturally that I really think, you probably already know these things, but in case you've forgotten, I want to draw them out just so that we can understand just how weighty a thing just happened in those few verses. It starts with Jesus walking the border between Samaria and Galilee. You may remember, if you've heard it before, just how significant the racial tensions were between those two people groups. Galilee, that was part of the the Jewish people. Samaria, well, they weren't even Gentiles. Gentiles were people who weren't Jews. Samaritans, they were half-bloods, half-breeds. It was a significant amount of racial tension. 
the Jewish people, they were descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David, and therefore they were part of the Abrahamic, Davidic, Jacobian, uh, and Isaiah covenant. There was this remarkable covenant set up between the people of Abraham, the descendants of Abraham, and Yahweh, God. It was a covenant that was supposed to be all about life and, and relationship. God described it as, I will be your God and you will be my people. And, and they were supposed to be in relationship with each other. And if you've been around at all, you would probably have heard that what wound up happening is instead of this nation who followed God, uh, there was a nation of civic religion. Uh, some kind of institutional system had emerged over the thousand years. The temple system is what we often refer to it as. What started out as relatively small, you know, about that much, of the Bible of instructions on how an entire nation should live, well, it had been expounded on and, and built on and expounded on and explained some more until it, it filled an entire bookcase. I can remember the moment it became clear to me just how out of control this thing had gotten. I was at university, it was a Christian university, and the librarian sent out this email saying, we just got a full set of all of the rules. There's a special name for it. It's on display here. And I went and I stood, and here are these massive hardcover encyclopedia, if you're old enough to remember what those are, sized books that filled a bookcase. Not a shelf, a case. And the civic religion had set in with all the rules and regulations, and, and that was in Galilee. And right on the border was Samaria, the half-breeds, the people who were worse than non-Jews. They were the, the outsiders. Jesus, and I, there's got to be something symbolic there, and maybe sometime Corey and I will sit down and riff on this for a while. But here is Jesus walking the border between these two systems. The one that's supposed to be good and has failed and the, the one that kind of knows that it's not and is tired of being treated that way. The other bit of cultural context that I think you really need to understand to get this passage is just how much of a death sentence leprosy was. It was a horrible disease. Awful disease for a whole variety of reasons. If you know the, the symptoms, nerves slowly die. So you stop feeling in the extremities. And because of that, you whack things and they get hurt, but they don't get treated. And you pick up boiling pots without realizing it. And you burn off fingertips, and while you're sleeping, rats eat your toes. It was a horrific disease, and invariably fatal after a long period of suffering. But because it was so contagious, you weren't allowed to live in your home anymore. You had to be separated out into a, a leper colony out on the outskirts of nowhere. And that's where you had to live. 
That, that was it. Your loved ones, they could come and leave you supplies and stand at a distance and say, I love you, daddy, and have to walk away. It was a horrific disease that broke the body, broke relationships. And worst of all, especially for the Jews, they, they took it as a sign of God's curse. You were now unclean and not able to be part of the family anymore. You weren't part of the covenant anymore. And so you were even excised spiritually. It was just terrible. And here are these walking dead. And they hear Jesus is walking the border. There's a, a couple of things here that I think we can learn. These guys came, and they came as close as they were allowed. They heard that Jesus was coming. They got in his way and got as close as they were allowed. If you remember the passage, it says, they stood at a distance and called in a loud voice. They got as close as they could to Jesus. I think there's something there for us to learn when we're dealing with setbacks. I pray that none of us ever deal with the type of setbacks that these lepers had to deal with. But I think even there, there's something for us to learn. When life deals an unfair hand, these guys got as close to Jesus as they could. And with a word, fixes 10 lives. Think about that for a second. You know, when they stood at a distance and said, Lord, have mercy on us, there was like this multi-layered prayer happening. God, please heal my body was part of it. God, please heal my broken relationships because I'm, I'm not even allowed to go see my mom anymore was another part of it. God, please welcome me back into your family was another part of it. These guys were, were crying out in a very deep way for this multi-layered healing and Jesus with a word brings it. it. Brings what they really need. Yeah, they need physical healing. But he also restored everything else. But I gotta be honest, I've been wrestling a little bit and I, I wrestled with this for a little while until I had time to chew it over with towards the end how Jesus responded. You might remember it. The 10 go and then one realizes that he's cleansed and he comes running back and worships God, says thank you. But Jesus responds, we're not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? It can sound a little bit needy if you don't have the right ears on. It can sound a little bit like, where's everybody else to tell me how great I am? It's nice to have one guy, but and it doesn't quite sound right until you mull it over a little bit. Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? A big part of Christ's ministry was calling people into relationship with God and out of a dead religion, out of dead ritual. The other nine, and there could be all kinds of reasons for this, but they ran and they did exactly what the rituals said they were supposed to do. 
And then that was it. They showed themselves to the priests, and then we don't know what happened. They probably did what I would do. Go see their families. Go see their friends. Go get a good cup of coffee. Like that, that's probably what they did. But here this foreigner, maybe because he wasn't used to the religious system, maybe because he wasn't bored talking about the things of God, realizes that no, something has changed. And there's somebody right here Somebody right in front of me that is real, that has the power of life and death. The other nine, maybe because they grew up in it, they got used to like the, let's talk about God and do our thing and go Sunday morning and then go home. I've fulfilled my religious obligation. Maybe, maybe that's what was going on. But this, this other guy, it's almost like he was like, no, this is special. There's something going on here that is different. And he comes running back to Jesus. And I can't help but think that when Jesus says, has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner, he was actually speaking to the crowd and poking them a little bit going, are you still asleep? Do you get that it's not about ritual, but about the relationship? I can't help but think that's what Jesus is up to there which is all well and good. That's, that's some great exposition. Well, maybe it's great exposition. That's some exposition. But the question is always to me, what difference does this make in our lives? Uh, what practical difference? There's two things that I'd really like to draw our attention to this morning. There's two messages in here that at least for me connected this week. The first is this when you're dealing with setbacks, when things have happened that you weren't expecting, you're not welcoming, you didn't want, you didn't ask for, maybe it was a result of your own choices, maybe somebody dropped it in your lap and you didn't ask for it, but now you gotta deal with it. When you're dealing with setbacks, I can't help but think that maybe the right response is the same thing the lepers did. We hear that there's one who can make a difference. Let's go get as close to him as possible. Let's put ourselves in the way of Jesus. Let's get as close to Jesus as we can. And if you're going through a setback this morning, there's two passages of scripture that I really want to draw your attention to. Because we can kind of, when you're going through it, feel like you're alone. I said this a couple of weeks ago, setbacks is too small a word for the type of pain that we're talking about for many people. Setbacks is too small a word for the, the major life hurdles that a lot of folks go through. But there's two more passages of scripture that I wanted to draw your attention to that back up what I'm saying about getting close to Jesus. The first is this out of the book of Psalms. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. If you're going through something right now, it can feel lonely, but don't forget he's close. There's this thread all through scriptures. It, the theologians call it God's preferential option for the poor. 
If you're going through something right now, if you are poor in spirit, God is close to you. God is close to you. And it's nice that it's in the Old Testament, but it, it's something even more when it's coming straight from Jesus' mouth. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. If you're going through something, Jesus himself promises that there will be comfort. There is comfort found at Christ. There is healing found in Jesus. The other thing that I wanted to draw our attention to this morning is this lesson from this grateful leper. It just stands out to me so clearly that there was something different about this guy's heart because he didn't go running back into the temple system or into regular life, but he went running right back to Jesus. And for me, there's something there in the, in the lesson to live as if, here's my challenge to you. Live as if Jesus is real. That's almost heresy for a pastor to say because it can kind of sound like, wait, are you saying he's not real? No, it's just so many of us have gotten so used to church and to somebody standing up in front and to having God's word in like 90 different versions and to being able to pray to God and he responds at any time. So many of us have gotten used to that that we're just comfortable with it. And we forgot that, no, wait a minute, there, there is a God. And if he is real, that changes everything. Live as if Jesus is real and what he did at Calvary matters. There's a song that I've, I've fallen in love again this week. It talks about Calvary being that spot where justice was served and yet mercy won. The, the mercy that I needed won that day. Jesus made a difference. It's not some far away thing. It, it's not some thing that we use to just mark the passage of years at Christmas and Easter. God is still making a difference in people's lives. 2,000 years ago on a dusty road between two countries, he made a difference in 10 lives. But you know what? He's doing the same thing on some random island cradled in the Gulf of St. Lawrence. He's doing the same thing in a town that's bold enough to call itself a city. I'm still getting used to that. <laughs> and he's doing the same thing in a room made of beams cut down before confederation. There's still new life and new healing happening every day. And for so many of us, at least for me, every once in a while I feel like I need to shake myself awake and go, wait a minute. This thing is real. God makes a difference in people's lives. In my life, in your life, in my neighbor's life. And when I go through a, a setback and I'm looking towards that day when I can look back on it and say, no, we've, we've made it back, it's okay, the comeback's happened. I need to be reminded of something. 
The, the whole point of a comeback isn't so that I can stand there and say, look, I'm a survivor. Or to say, look, I, I've done it on my own. The whole point of a comeback, the whole point of the healing that God brings is to draw us back into that relationship with him. That it's not some dusty old habit. That it's a real and vital relationship. That's what we learn from the, the grateful leper. The guy who came back and worshiped Jesus. It's not just some medicine we take. It's not just some get well program. It's not just some thing we do. But there is a relationship that God wants to have with each and every one of us. Because he is still writing stories and changing stories in everyone. He wants to be at work in your life and in mine. We're going to close in song, and as the band comes up, I just, I know I've said it a couple of times this morning, but I want to hammer this one home. There is a relationship that is opened for everyone. Those of us who have been here since the day that we were born, and the faith has gotten very stale and old, and those of us who are hearing for maybe the first time that God loves them and wants to walk with them. This relationship is open and available to all of us. Whether you're going through a, a major setback or you're sailing calm waters, whether your life has been full of joy or bitterness, God still wants to walk alongside you and in your life and rewrite your story like he did for 10 guys 2,000 years ago, like he did for some of us just a few years ago, and like he's going to be doing until the day of Christ's return.